evidence and answers. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucaran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Each year, Pat hosts an apologetics conference located in beautiful Hawaii. Today, we are continuing our broadcast with a great teaching from our host, Pat. He is sharing a message entitled, The Transgender Debate, taken from the 2018 Evidence and Answers Apologetics Conference. If you're unable to hear this entire broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now, here's our host, Pat, with part two of a wonderful message entitled, The Transgender Debate. Then we have radical feminism, okay? The first wave of feminism, there were many good things about it. Campaign to liberate women from an overly restrictive concept, gender, so they could be free to vote and have other rights. But it gave way to a movement seeking to make women identical to men. As a result, you know, we're creatures of extremes, right? We swung too far in the other direction, denying any importance between male and female. Now, with radical feminism, began saying, whatever a man can do, a woman can do. Hey, men and women are the same thing. We've lost that gender distinction. Hey, and the result is, uh, culture of androgyny and confusion. You know, the whole movement in radical feminism, uh, when it comes to combat infantry, it should be 50% men, 50% women. They're the same. They can do the same thing. The SEALs, special elite force, should be 50% men, 50% women. Special ops, 50% men, 50% women. They can all do the same thing. Okay, there's no difference there. That's radical feminism. That wants to break down the distinctions between men and women. And these ideas have infiltrated the church. I was speaking at a denominational conference in Northern California of a major church denomination. And I was speaking to the young people and I just mentioned in a sermon, I just said, you know, wherever Christianity has gone in the world, it has liberated and exalted the status of women all over the world. Okay, and they all objected. They said, no, Christianity is the oppressor of women. Look, wives, submit to your husbands. I do not allow a woman to talk in church, I mean, teach or exercise authority over men. It, it's the great oppressor of women. And I said, no, no. And, and I was trying to explain those passages. I said, men and women are different. They complement one another. Okay, that's how God designed them. He created a woman to be a helpmate to men. They complement. They're equal in nature, but they complement one another okay and they completely disagreed all right and the next day they had me i had to stand in front of the the pastors to see whether they want to keep me as a speaker or not that was just the first session okay and they said we want to know your position on men and women and i said well they're equal but different and they said we all disagree and i said well okay j just look at you physically don't you look different a man and a woman and they they all said this is a major church now they said no and i said okay okay Let's take off your clothes. Would a man and a woman look different? Hey, this is hundreds of Christian college students. They all said no. And I said, okay, everything from brain structure to physique, men and women are different. They said no. And I said, okay, you guys aren't being honest with me. If you're not going to be honest with me, I can't continue the discussion here. All right, can't you see a man and a woman is different? They said, no way. They said, you are 
bigoted and you're a racist and I don't know if we want you to be our speaker here for our denomination. These ideologies have crept in to our church. Talk to your young people. You might be surprised at how they view men and women and the, if there is a gender distinction. That was a terrible conference, by the way. Worst conference I ever spoke at. Yeah. So today, there's two unforgivable sins in the postmodern, post-Christian times we are in. First is to judge someone else. Okay, whether their values or beliefs are right or wrong, moral or immoral, good or bad, harmful or healthy. The second is to fulfill, to fail to fulfill your desires. And this whole ideology is changing the medical practice. Okay, those of uh, you in the, in the medical field out here know how it's changing the medical practice. Ryan Anderson, and, and this is a great book, When Harry Became Sally. That's a great book. I don't think he's a, a Christian, but it's a very great book, and I quote from it quite a bit. He says this, A postmodern worldview is changing medicine from a profession that restores health and wholeness into a set of techniques to provide customers with what they desire. It is eroding the very foundation of objectively sound medical practice. Without any fixed position on what is given in human nature, any manipulation of it can be defended as legitimate. Okay? So it is changing our medical practice. He also states, policymakers and the media are doing no favors either to the public or the transgendered by treating their confusions as a right in need of defending rather than as a mental disorder that deserves understanding, treatment, and prevention. Now, key argument you hear is, hey, this is my body, I can do with it whatever I want, and it doesn't affect anyone else. You shouldn't be bothering in my business. This is, you know, same thing with the abortion debate and others, right? It's my body. I do with it what I want. It doesn't affect anyone else. How does me changing my anatomy, changing my gender, affect anyone else? Well, just like the abortion, just like gay marriage, it's got tremendous ramifications to, to everyone else and the culture, not only to the individual and the families involved and the friends, but also there's key issues regarding public policy, several areas of concern surrounding this issue. First, privacy interests. When men who identify as women can now enter into female-only spaces. Okay, so if a man identifies as a woman, he can go into the woman's locker room now, all right? The women's showers and all that. If he identifies as a woman, you can no longer discriminate against them. So that involves safety concerns when predators abuse gender identity okay, to access these arenas. Okay? And imagine a girl who has been abused or is recovering from rape to see a man next to her in the locker room, you know, in the restroom, in the shower. Equality concerns when biological males can now compete against females in sports and other arenas where sex differences are relevant. We had a case in Texas, right, where a girl is making the change from a woman to a man, taking all these steroids and competed as a woman, right, and dominated 
women's high school wrestling there. Or the case of a young boy in California competing as a woman in track and field and won all the events. Okay? Or a man in the uh, MMA fighting as a woman did a tremendous damage to one of his opponents. Event just popped into my mind. You know, I was going to speak on this. I think I was in California and I was at a church and uh, you know how there's a wall that guards the bathroom and the male-female signs usually on the outside of the wall. Well, at this church, the sign was on the inside and I didn't see it and I was in a rush. I was ready to go speak and I came from this side and I just went running right into the bathroom. You know, and I did my thing in the stall and then I heard a bunch of women's voices and I realized I was in the wrong bathroom. So I jumped up on the toilet seat and I was just sitting there figuring out what am I going to do? What am I, I'm going to speak on transgender thing and I'm in, I don't know, so I thought, what am I going to do? So I was looking for a window, maybe there's a window I can crawl out of, but now I couldn't find one. And then I thought, you know what, I got to speak and find, I'm just going to jump out of the stall and say, hey, what do you guys think? I'm speaking on trans, I'm trying to make a point here. I'm speaking on, so I thought, so I realized, you know, I'm, I'm trapped. I got to speak, I got to get on stage. Okay, I'm going to, so I jumped out of the stall and those women were exiting. They didn't see me and there was no one in the restroom. And so I ran out, I, but man, oh, I tell you, if I was speaking on this issue and I was caught in there, man, who knows what I would have done. Okay, then we have liberty interests. Okay, when people are forced to speak or act in ways contrary to their best judgment and, and deeply held beliefs. When churches have to hire transgender people. When churches will not be allowed to speak out against these kinds of issues. When Christian schools, homeschools, and others will have to accept okay, and no longer can uh, talk about the transgender issue as being some kind of mental disorder, but being the norm. Then we've got those issues we're going to face. Then we have ideology concerns about confusing messages that school children are going to receive when they are taught that gender is fluid and sex can be changed. Children are especially vulnerable. The transgender issue is getting to a more and more younger and younger and younger age, right? Now when a child comes in to the principal and a boy says, you know what, I'm struggling, I think I'm a girl, I think I belong with the girls. Okay, the principal being fought now, can the principal say, okay, that's a mental disorder, Let, let's help you, okay, get to healthy way of thinking, identify with your gender? Or will the principal have to say, okay, let's start hormone therapy, let's go to the uh, counselor now and start hormone therapy? They're, okay, they're debating to bring it down to a younger and younger and younger age now. We'll, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. But what do we do now in those situations? Young people, it's not unusual okay, for them to have mild gender dysphoria when they're young. 95% of them grow out of it okay, eventually. But from childhood to adolescence, it's not uncommon sometimes for them to struggle with that whole issue. But eventually, if with the right guidance and healthy bonding with the same sex, father or other mentors or mothers or other female mentors, they eventually go you know, in the right direction. But at a young age, if we have to say, okay, let's start the hormone therapy already. How do we deal with that issue? Then we have the whole issue of medical insurance to cover reassignment surgery. 
2016, the Office of Civil Rights at the Department of Health and Human Services announced a ban on sex discrimination in Obamacare. And it was now being interpreted to ban gender identity discrimination. So this would require all health care plans regulated under Obamacare to cover sex reassignment procedures and all relevant physicians to perform them. If the transgender issue becomes a civil rights issue, now okay, their medical insurance is required. And it's tremendously expensive. And who pays for all of that? And we have that issue being debated in the military. Should transgender men or women be allowed in the military? Okay, and if they do go in the military and they want the sex reassignment surgery, who pays for it? The military. It's over $100,000 for that surgery. All right, and then after they get the surgery, they are not able to serve for another two to four years. And then we don't know. We are discovering, okay, changing gender is not as easy as just changing the outside. I mean, it, it goes down to our DNA now, you know, and now they're trying to change the entire chemistry of a person because men and women, their chemistry is completely different and infusing a guy with so much estrogen, how's that going to affect him on the battlefield, all right? Or in these military situations where life and death is hanging in the balance and you only got seconds to decide, all right? Tremendously, the most stressful situations a guy can have and how is that, all that new estrogen in his, how's that going to affect him? How's it going to affect her with all that new testosterone being injected in her body? All right, big debate going on in the military. But if it becomes a civil right, well, then we're, we're required to give them gender reassignment surgery and procedures. Well, what's the Bible say on this issue? Well, God has a definite blueprint that is created in us. Male and female are not artificial categories. They are part of the very image of God. The two are not interchangeable. It's God's blueprint. It's His intended design. Genesis chapter 2, He says, He created them in His image, male and female. All right? Both men and women are created in the image of God. Your biological makeup is part of the very image of God in you. Okay? And our anatomies tell us what gender we are. The Bible doesn't separate sex and gender. Again, okay? we're, we're learning. It's not only anatomy. It's chemistry. It's emotions. It's thinking. Okay? It's our very, it goes down to our very chromosomes, our DNA. We are designed different. In Genesis, she was created as a helpmate for man. The two are different, and they complement one another. So to go against God's design or God's blueprint is to go against His very design. The Bible teaches that men and women are equal but different. Okay? Our differences extend to the deepest level of our beings, our very DNA, our brains, our voices, our body shapes, our muscular strength, reproductive systems. Right? It's in God's very design. So although different in function, both are equal in worth. The Bible does not separate sex and gender. To bring more children into the world, a man needs a woman and a woman needs a man. Right? And to fulfill 
that mission of be fruitful and multiply and rule over the earth to fulfill God's mandate requires a man and a woman. So for us to fulfill the mission for which God designed us requires a man and a woman. For a child to know the tremendous value and the unique aspects of a man and a woman, the most healthiest environment for them to grow up in is with a father and with a mother. Now, some of the transgender arguments say, well, Jesus never said anything about transgenderism. Well, Jesus didn't say anything about pedophilia. Is that okay? Jesus didn't say anything specifically about polygamy or child abuse. Okay, that's a really weak argument. But Jesus does indeed say things about sexuality. In Mark 19, Jesus is asked, okay, is it okay for a man to divorce his wife? The law allows us to give them a certificate of divorce. And Jesus says, yes, that was because of your hardened hearts. But from the very beginning, and he quotes the Genesis account, God created them male and female. He affirms the Genesis creation account and that God created two sexes, male and female. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his mother and father and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And what God is joined together, let no man separate. He affirms then marriage is between a man and a woman. And he affirms that sexual union is between a man and a woman in a marriage covenant only. And the marriage covenant creates that one flesh unity that only can come in a marriage between a man and a woman. It doesn't happen of people of same sex. Okay, if you look at all the studies, monogamy doesn't exist in the gay community. That's a myth. Okay, and you can listen to our shows on uh, homosexuality on that. Why? Because that mystical union doesn't occur between people of the same sex. Okay, that's why promiscuity in the gay community is 100%. That mystical union happens between a man and a woman because that's how God designed it. There is no sexual or marital relationship other than biblical marriage. When uh, the woman was caught in adultery, Jesus tells her, go and sin no more. She was in a sexual relationship with someone other than her husband. Jesus affirms biblical marriage. The Samaritan woman at the well, living with someone else other than her husband. Jesus okay, rebuked her for that, thus affirming male and female sexuality and the covenant of marriage. Now, the biblical critique of transgenderism is this then. The gender identity struggle, it's a real struggle. It's a painful struggle, but it's not the way God created you originally. Okay? It's a result of the fall. And just because one feels the struggle does not mean one should feed it. Because of the fall, we are born sometimes with dispositions that are healthy and some that are unhealthy. If you're of Okinawan blood, Okinawans are hot-blooded. Or, you know, you might say Italians are or whatever. You might have that in your DNA. Okay? You're born hot-blooded. Does it mean it's okay for me to be violent then? Does it mean it's okay for me to beat my wife? beat my children just because I'm, I'm born that way. I'm hot-blooded. No, we do everything we can. Okay? Even if you're predisposed that way, that's part of the fall. We do everything we can to control that and get you back in a more healthy direction. 
We know that there are children born addicted to cocaine, right? Cocaine babies. That's undisputed. What do we do then? Do we say, okay, here, have cocaine. Have all the cocaine you want. You're born that way. No, we do everything we can to rehabilitate and move you into a more healthy and right direction. Just because you're born with that struggle, if it's an unhealthy disposition you have, doesn't mean we're going to feed it. We do everything we can to get you moving in the right direction. Remember, the struggle may be exacerbated by cultural norms. Okay, I talked to many young people today, and the, and the good thing is that many young people are more open about it. And a lot of them will come to me and say, I think I'm a girl, or I think I'm gay. And I'll look at the guy and I say, why do you think you're a girl? Why do you think you're gay? Well, I don't like football. I don't like basketball. I don't like any sports. Well, what do you like? I like the arts. You know, I like to paint. I like to draw. Okay, that doesn't mean you're gay. It just means you're a very artsy guy. You know, I remember in California, I was talking to a couple guys, and they said, yeah, you know, we don't, we don't play basketball or anything. We, we hang out and we like music. We play music. So we think we're gay. And I said, well, I mean, you're gay. It just means you're a very artsy, musical guy. Brad is a manly man. Guy plays the piano. Great at the piano. I mean, he's, you know, gay. He's just a guy that loves music. Or I'll talk to girls and they'll say, you know what, I think I'm gay. I think I'm a lesbian. I think I'm a man. Why? Well, I like to play soccer. I don't like to play dolls or dress up. And I like playing soccer. And I like playing with the girls, man. I like playing with the guys. They're better. You know, give me more of a challenge. Okay. I mean, you're gay. You're just a very athletic girl. So we've got to make sure that it's not exacerbated you know, by our cultural norms. As a youth pastor, you know, I was made that mistake. I always tried to get guys to get out there and play basketball and wrestle with the guys all the time. And, you know, I'd always say, I'm going to make a man out of you or whatever. Oh, wrong. Okay. You got artsy guys that can be very masculine according to what the Bible teaches. It's not about playing basketball or watching Rambo or doing MMA. Gender is part of God's blueprint then, and it cannot be changed. Paul McHugh, one of the most respected psychiatrists, founder of John Hopkins Medical School of Psychiatry, has been speaking out on this topic for over 30 years as a lone voice in the whole medical arena. And he says this, as one of the most esteemed psychiatrists of our time, he says, transgendered men do not become women, nor do transgendered women become men, all including Bruce Jenner, become feminized men or masculinized women, counterfeits or impersonators of the sex with which they identify. Tom Renke writes this, chromosomes cannot be re-engineered, removed or scrubbed from the software of our bodies. It may be possible for a trans woman to pass for a woman on the street at the visual level, but it is not possible for a man to morph himself into a biological woman with all the experiences and functions of natural femaleness. The biological narrative doesn't exist. While medical advances make it possible to suppress or change some of the outward appearances of our bodies and change our patterns of speech and dress, it is not possible to raise our bodies to the ground and rebuild them without shortcutting all the essential formative experiences that make the biological sex expression and gender authentic. As a result of trying to do these gender reassignment surgeries, we have had some tragic results. 
Q did a study, a follow-up of adults who had undergone these sex change operations to determine whether the surgery was beneficial in the long term. And the results show that most did not appear to have benefited psychologically. He says, they had much the same problems with relationships, works, and emotions as before. The hope that they would emerge now from their emotional difficulties to flourish psychologically has not been fulfilled. Once again, our time has come to a close. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold a conference, please give him a call. Locally, that number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. To keep this broadcast on the air, you have the opportunity to donate. Head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online on the homepage. We have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with your family, your friends, and your church. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Evidence and Answers.